This podcast is an RPPFM production. The following episode contains some coarse language and descriptions of graphic violence. Listener discretion is advised. My fridge is haunted. I got you there. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> I thought I was having an aneurysm. Okay. <laughs> like, oh God, my hearing aid has failed me today. Welcome back, everyone. Hi, guys. And if you're new, welcome. And if you're current, then hey, hello again. Yeah. And guess what? This is our last episode of 2019. Well, technically, if you're listening to this, you are already in 2020. But it's definitely the last episode of season one. Yes, season one, guys. This isn't it for us. We're having a bit of a break because we need to rest our heads. We're murdered out. Plus, I'm studying a a degree that I have to focus on. So, And for me, it's like... um, You got stuff on too. Yeah, I got stuff. Yeah, you got Jason Momoa's to watch. We just found out that Esther doesn't watch Game of Thrones. No, I don't. I don't have whatever TV it's on. What's it on? What platform is it on? Netflix. Because uh, I, I have that, but I haven't seen it. No, it's Fox Hell Show. Um, well, that's why I don't. I haven't seen it. And at JB Hi-Fi, it's like 60 bucks. So, all right. Well, uh, when the price comes in, uh, get it and watch it and binge it. And then we can okay. Apparently it's speak Dothraki together. I do like dragons a lot. Good. Yeah. Okay. Get your dragon fix. Get my dragon up. Anyway, so what's been going on anyway? What's been happening? I see um, that you've you've reblonded. Yes. Well, the regrowth was coming through and I was looking more and more like Napoleon Dynamite because my hair just isn't a perm. <laughs> so my friend Alex decided to bleach it mm-hmm. and because I'm so um I have no concept of time or space, I sat in the bathroom on my phone for too long and it went from um just like a light silver tone to now it's basically blue or or like it's quite violet i look like an anime character i could go to cosplay convention and not have to even dress up i look like a white girl who's trying to be japanese who's trying to be a japanese anime boy i like it it's cute it's 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 a little bit it's lavender it is lavender look i love i love it it's nice i love the color but i'm original i'm next after this because i'm sick of going blonde it's gonna go gray like dark like stone gray Mm. and then going black but i'm keeping it short okay yeah cool how are you going girl i'm going good uh no hair changes for me no Nothing really. I don't yeah, know. So I don't really have any news. I don't even know what date it is at the moment. Um, it was really hot today. Yeah, forty-one guys. Gross. I took my dog out at seven thirty this morning, and mm. even at like that time, it was wa- we got yeah. to the park, and he looked at me, and there was like five dogs all messing around. My dog's kind of old, like, oh. and he looked at me, and he's like, "Can we go Mom, home? I'm hot." Oh, honey. I was like, "Okay." Well, I was out of my house at 5.30 a.m. Really? And it was already 18 degrees. Really? Yeah. Wow. So it's, it's been a hot one. Yeah. Yeah. And um, by the time you guys have this episode, hopefully hopefully we're all still here. Hopefully the world hasn't combusted 
spontaneously combusted. Well, Melbourne at least. Mm. That's it. That's it. <laughs> Do we have any housekeeping? Um. Oh yeah, I wanted to also. I wanted to also mention. So two episodes ago, mm. I did the um the poltergeist from. Thornton Heath. Yeah. And I said, in a future episode, I'm going to do the 1930s version. Yes. Because there was two Thornton Heath Heath poltergeists, one in the 70s, one in the 30s. Found out the 30s one was a big old hoax. Oh, what? So I just wanted to... No, I don't want anything to do with that. That's disappointing. Yeah. So um, that's why I did Kelly Cahill. Yeah. Kelly Cahill was... Which was awesome. Yeah, it was awesome. Yeah, but I just, in case anyone was wondering, that's why I didn't do it. Yeah. Because no, as soon as I found that out, I was like, I was just not feel. I have to feel the story. I yep. have to feel the spark. You got to feel it in your waters. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So it just, it just was not, you know, motivating me. So yeah, I was no, like, no, cool. move on. Otherwise it's just not going to be fun. Yeah. Um, what date will this podcast be released? This episode? That's a good question. Is it in 2020? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be like second week of 2020. Oh, sweet. Guys, um, on the third... On the 31st, I think, of January, Netflix and Chill... Netflix and Cabaret, sorry, is is on. Come down, because I'm in it. Hang on, isn't it Netflix and Chill Cabaret? No, it's Netflix and Cabaret. Is it? Hang on. Sorry, Izzy. Okay. <laughs> so what she's telling us about is there's a show in Melbourne, a burlesque show that usually happens at 24 Moons. Yeah, it's like 24 Moons. In Northcote. In North And Kit. all the burlesque acts are based on TV Netflix. shows. So um, so if you guys want a show in the new Netflix. Oh, you're right. It's Netflix and Chill Cabaret. Yeah. Oh, my God. I've been promoting it wrong. I'm sorry. So I'm guessing you're not going to be doing Game of Thrones. No. Oh, my God. <laughs> Should I give away my number? I'm really excited about it. Can can Yeah. I want to know. I'm doing a cafe day night. Special. Oh, my God. Amazing. It's going to be so funny. Hilarious. It's going to be so friggin. I'm so excited. <laughs> so ex- it's just going to be a compilation over like Kylie Minogue of just Kath saying weird stuff. And like there's a section when she's like dancing to an aboriginal didgeridoo you know it's just it's it's great it's gonna be great it's gonna be a good one. Oh, i can't comment on it we've got a family birthday well well damn uh, it are you gonna do it again sometime yeah i'll reuse it i hope so definitely put it on rotation yay i'll just do it out on your driveway cool yeah okay. i don't have a driveway but well, i'll do it on your footpath i have a deck i'll do it on your deck <laughs> <laughs> I'll didgeridoo on your deck. Cool. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Oh, facts. Facts from the freezer. Do you want to go first or do I? Yeah, you can go first. I went first last time. Because I've got a rad one. Go, 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 mate. You are... I've literally written WTF. Why the face? In... Why the face? (laughs) (laughs) Go. (laughs) Okay. A study published in 2013 suggests that dogs carefully choose where they go to the toilet because they are sensitive to the Earth's magnetic field and prefer to poo when they are positioned along a north-south axis. That's hilarious. Study included 70 dogs of 37 breeds. Now, let's test you. Never eat soggy wheat bigs. North-south axis. I don't know what that... North-south, never eat... Soggy, 
So it's in the middle of... Up down, basically. Okay. Well, I didn't get that right anyway, so it's fine. So isn't that weird? So That's now every hilarious. time I go to dog park, I'm going to be getting out my Apple phone yes. compass. If we ever get lost in the middle of nowhere and oh, we have a dog poo. with us, we just wait for it to do a poo and then we're like, okay, we're on the right track. <laughs> well, apparently, same with um. There's apparently when dogs poo, you know how they give you that little like look when they're doing a poo, and they'll look over at you and they'll do like this, like the weird like droopy Vulner- eyes. Vulnerable look. Yeah, that's it's because when they're pooping, that that's when they're most vulnerable. Yeah, and like exactly. they'll, they'll look at other animals to be they like, got, they let look me just around, do my like, thing. Oh, I hope a lion doesn't come exactly. Out of they the do like the bushes. little like worried like yeah, <laughs> squeeze it out. I do the same look when I'm on the toilet. (laughs) Okay, my fact from the freezer. Prisoners arrived at Auschwitz just days after McDonald's was founded in America. Isn't that weird? That de-escalated fast. Um, (laughs) Typical Esther, bringing down the mood. Hang on a minute. People went to Auschwitz just days after McDonald's was founded. So, yeah, Auschwitz was still happening... Uh, uh, no, prisoners arrived at Auschwitz. So it, it, well, 1940. So that's, yeah, that's like the beginning of I thought, Auschwitz. Mate, I thought McDonald's wasn't until like the 50s. Really? Well, it started off as a tiny little restaurant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't yeah. realize it was that old. Well, there you go. Can you imagine? That like puts it in just perspective. Massive perspective. Massive perspective. The concentration camps really didn't happen that long ago. No, they did not. I'm literally listening to last podcast on the left's episode on Joseph um, Mengele. Mengele. I will never listen to that episode. Heavy, but it it just puts into complete. It it shows that there was a government run by serial killers. Mm -hmm. Like it was literally legalizing serial killing. It was making serial killers doctors. Not even serial killers, mass killers. Horrendous. The worst. Absolutely crazy. The worst. Yeah. So. So that is an interesting fact. So next time you have your your big Mac or whatever. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. Say a prayer. I don't know. Jesus. God. Don't ask me for advice, mate. All right. Well, a fact from the freezer is a fact from the freezer. It is, it is, it is. All right. As long as we learned something. As long as we learned something, which we did. Mm -hmm. Poop. Poop Mm -hmm. in Auschwitz. Okay. (laughs) Uh, I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) Okay. So who's going to go first today? I will because mine's super heavy. Okay. You sure? Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to blast through mine. Well, I can't say that mine is going to bring us up to... Yeah, but nothing can be worse. Probably the Holocaust is worse than my story but my story is pretty effed up okay so why don't we finish the season officially on my story yeah i agree we, i've got a i've got a pretty cool haunting awesome story. let's so do let's it finish on that all right Sick. and uh okay now um, for trigger warning for this one it has literally a slice of everything horrible in it um we're doing a what did you call it before a something crime classic classic crime crime. story yeah classic crime story so um those that are like super into true crime will know him but um uh, this will be a first time for a lot of people yeah yeah yeah. so it's it's really it's one of those stories yeah if you're into serial killers you'll 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 know there's no way you wouldn't have heard of this yeah and um and massive warning to those who haven't but i'm doing the story of albert fish okay yeah um it's a 
It's a heavy hitter. It is. <laughs> all so, right. Tell yeah. us all about it. Oh, I will. Albert Hamilton Fish was born May 19th, 1870 in Washington, D.C. He was the youngest child out of three. And after his father died, his mother put him in an orphanage where he was constantly beaten and whipped. Why did she put him in an orphanage? Because she couldn't afford to look after the kids right. after the father died. Yeah. Wow. It was common. Mm. Okay. Through this punishment, he soon found that he enjoyed the beatings, often giving him erections, which he would get teased about. Mm-hmm. In 1879, his mother found a job and was able to take Albert back. However, the life in the orphanage had changed him. Um, I got all this info from Murderpedia. Right. But um, because I'm a massive, massive, massive fangirl, the last podcast on left does an incredible story uh episode i think they do two or three episodes on him Mm -hmm. um and they go into detail right massive detail they find stuff i couldn't find on the internet okay at the age of 12 he had his first relationship with a telegraph boy the telegraph boy introduced him to drinking urine and eating feces during sexual acts what the hell yeah yeah it like early on he just gets completely inducted into this world of really hardcore (sighs) fetishes yeah um by 1890 albert moved to new york where he started working as a sex worker during this time he started raping young boys a crime that he continued for many years in 1898 his mother had him marry a woman who was nine years younger than him they had six kids During that time, he was jailed for embezzlement, which he didn't mind because he was able to have sex with the other prisoners. Oh, my God. Yeah. This guy. uh, It's it's he's just it, it just gets way worse. After his sentence, he started working as a house painter, all the while still molesting young boys, mostly under six years old. At one point, a boyfriend of Albert took him to a wax museum where he saw a wax model of a bisection of a penis. And that's when he became obsessed with the idea of castration. Hmm. While dating a mentally disabled man, Albert tried castrating him after tying him up to a chair. The man managed to escape. Albert started visiting brothels more regularly, requesting to be beaten. In January 1917, his wife finally left him. After the failure of his marriage, Albert began hearing voices, once rolling himself into a carpet after John the Apostle instructed him to. Okay. So I'm pretty so sure we're, one we're, of his... We're going into Richard's chase sort of territory yeah, here. Yeah. I think he, like, he, he, was, he was into really explicit sexual acts while he was younger, but I think at this point he had a mental breakdown. Yeah. And you'll find out later that he, he was ruled sane. Really? Yeah. They found him to be sane. Okay. Yep. Um, and one of his kids found him rolled up in the carpet. He had been there all night, rolled up in a carpet. Yeah. So he was still living with his kids. Whoa. In 1910, Albert was believed to have committed his first attack on a boy named Thomas Bedden. An attack, I mean, like... Like violent attack? Yeah. Like he was attacking as in molesting and raping, but I think this was crossing over into like um, lethal violence and murder. Exactly. In 1919, he stabbed a disabled boy. 
these victims of his were either disabled or African-American because he believed they would not be missed. Um, In 1924, Fish saw eight-year-old Beatrice Keel playing alone on her parents' farm. He approached her and offered her money to help him pick rhubarb in neighboring paddocks. Beatrice started to follow Albert away from her home when her mum saw and chased Fish away. Later that night, he returned and hid in their barn where he slept. He was then discovered by the father and told to get off the property. In 1928, on May the 25th, Edward Budd posted an ad in the Sunday edition of New York World stating, Young man 18 wishes position in country. Edward Budd, 406 West 15th Street. A few days later, on the 28th, Albert, who was now 58 years old, visited the Budd family in New York, wanting to hire Edward. He introduced himself as Frank Howard, saying he was a farmer from Farmingdale, New York, which is like... The fakest of fake, fake right? names. Right? It's like... I'm a farmer from Farmingdale. I'm, I'm a uh, farmer from uh, Farmingdale. I'm a nail technician from, from Nailington. From Nailland. <laughs> I just think it's... <laughs> I was like, are you serious, you idiot? <laughs> when he arrived at their house, he met Edward's younger sister, a 10-year-old girl called Grace. Albert became transfixed with Grace and promised Edward a job. Albert visited the Buds again, this time talking Grace and Edward's parents into Grace accompanying him to his sister's birthday party, quote unquote. Mm. Yep. They agreed and Albert left with Grace and never returned. A whole seven years later, after the abduction, the Buds received an anonymous letter. Seven years? Seven years. Holy cow. Um, So there was someone that was pinned on the abduction, but obviously he was not guilty because it was... Hang Albert. on, but the little girl left with Albert to go to a but, but they quotation marks yeah, but party. They, they didn't. They didn't have his real identity. They oh, was, so they didn't actually no, know. Albert was lying. He said his name was. Um, they didn't know how to contact him. They no, didn't he, know where he, he lived. well, the mother was super illiterate. Um, illiterate. Dis- yeah, 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 she yeah. could not read. Um, what did he... He called himself Frank Howard. He wasn't a farmer. He lived in New York. There is no Farmington. There's, yeah, it was all fake, Probably. obviously. He wasn't looking for a job. He wasn't looking to hire Edward. He was literally there to just like... Oh, and let me take your child to yeah. a... Well, he, well, that's the thing. He came in dressed really well. He was from the city. Mm. Um, he bought them strawberries and cheese, I'm pretty sure. Um, he was charming, mm-hmm. and I guess from like this and little family, he was promising family, the son a exactly. Job. He was promising Edward a job. So to them, he probably seemed like this businessman. He seemed man. legit. He seemed legit, really and legit. he was a con artist. I mean, he went around. He had to move from place to place because people would report seeing the grey man or the boogeyman. Yeah, because there was just this. He, if you look at like a lot of people describing him they they literally described him as his skin was gray yeah i mean you yeah. can see that from photos he looks kind of like a he skeletal looks he looks sick. sick man doesn't he yeah so i think he was used to like conducting himself around people to sound like he was someone else because he was so used to like moving around and changing identities okay yeah Right. Now, guys, this is the letter. It's pretty hardcore, so um, just bear with me. All right? Yeah. Let's do it. 
the letter wrote the letter read dear mrs bud in 1894 a friend of mine shipped as a deckhand on the steamer tacoma captain john davis they sailed from san francisco for hong kong china on arriving there he and two others went ashore and got drunk when they returned the boat was gone at that time there was famine in china meat of any kind was one to three dollars per pound so great was the suffering among the very poor that all children under 10 were sold for food in order to keep others from starving a boy or girl under the age of 14 was not safe in the street you could go in any shop and ask for steak chops or stew meat part of the naked body of a boy or a girl would be bought out and just what you wanted cut from it Hmm. a boy or girl's behind was in the sweetest part of the body and sold as veal cutlet bought the highest price john stayed there for so long he acquired a taste for human flesh on his return to new york he he stole two boys one seven and one eleven took them to his home stripped them naked tied them in a closet then burned everything they had on several times every day and night he spanked them tortured them to make their meat good and tender First, he killed the 11-year-old boy because he had the fattest ass and, of course, the most meat on it. Every part of his body was cooked and eaten except the head, bones, and guts. He was roasted in the oven, um, brackets, all of his ass, boiled, broiled, fried, and stewed. The little boy was next, went the same way. At that time, I was living at 409 E 100 Street near right side he told me so often how good human flesh was I made up my mind to taste it on Sunday June the 3rd 1928 I called on you at 406 W 15th Street bought you pot pot cheese and strawberries we had lunch Grace sat in my lap and kissed me I made up my mind to eat her on the pretense of taking her to a party you said yes she could go I took her to an empty house in Westchester I had already picked out. When we got there, I told her to remain outside. She picked wildflowers. I went upstairs and stripped all my clothes off. I knew if I did not, I would get her blood on them. When I was all ready, I went to the window and called her. Then I hid in the closet until she was in the room. When she saw me all naked, she began to cry and tried to run down the stairs. I grabbed her and she said she would tell her mama. First, I stripped her naked, how she did kick, bite, and scratch. I choked her to death, then cut her in small pieces so I could take my meat to my rooms, cook and eat it, how sweet and tender her little ass was, roasted in the oven. It took me nine days to eat her entire body. I did not fuck her, though. I could have had I wished. She died a virgin. So that was the letter Mrs. Budd received, but she couldn't read it because she was illiterate. So she passed it on to Edward. Edward then gave it to the police. This letter obviously linked Albert to the police. He told his attorney once he was arrested that he did, in fact, rape Grace. Did he sign the letter with his name? No. How did they connect it to him then? Uh, I think... He actually sent it in an envelope that had his address on it. He did something really stupid. Whoa. Like the actual address had like initials on it that led back to where he was staying at the time. Okay. I'm pretty sure. So they did trace it back to him one way or another. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely got him. Um, He confessed to his attorney that he did rape Grace, but 
he was such a compulsive liar that it can't be proved factual. Mm. So mm. we will never know, obviously. After being arrested, he admitted other accounts of cannibalism. On February 11th, 1927, two boys were playing outside, both named Billy. Both boys disappeared. Billy Beaton was later found on a rooftop. When asked where Billy Gaffney went, Beaton said, the boogeyman took him. Albert Fish, of course, was also known as the Grey Man, um, the boogeyman and the werewolf of Wisteria. Hmm. Later, a driver saw a photo of Fish in the newspaper and identified him as the old man he saw on February 11th hanging around the two boys. Now, he wrote another letter and I'm going to read it to you. Okay. I bought him to the Riker Avenue dumps. There is a house that stands alone, not far from where I took him. I took the boy there, stripped him naked and tied his hands and feet and gagged him with a piece of dirty rag I picked out from the dump. Then I burned his clothes, threw his shoes in the dump. Then I walked back and took the trolley to 59th Street at 2am and walked there from home. Next day, about 2 p.m., I took tools, a good heavy cat of nine tails, homemade, short handle, cut one of my belts in half, slit these halves in six strips about eight inches long. I whipped him bare behind. I whipped his bare behind till the blood ran from his legs. I cut off his ears, nose, slit his mouth from ear to ear, gouged out his eyes. He was dead then. I stuck the knife in his belly and held my mouth to the body and drank his blood. I picked up four old potato sacks and gathered a pile of stones. Then I cut him up. I had a grip with me. I put his nose, ears, and a few slices of his belly in the grip. Then I cut him through the middle of his body, just below the belly button, then through his legs about two inches below his behind. I put this in my grip with a lot of paper. I cut off the head, feet, arms, hands, and the legs below the knee. This I put in sacks weighed with stones, tied the ends and threw them into the pools of slimy water you will see all along the road going to North Beach. I came home with my meat. I had the front of his body I liked best. His monkey and peewees and a nice little fat behind to roast in the oven and eat. I made a stew out of his ears, nose, pieces of his face and belly. I put onions, carrots, turnips, celery, salt and pepper. It was good. Then I split the cheeks of his behind open, cut off his monkey and peewees and washed them first. I put strips of bacon on each cheek of his behind and put them in the oven. Then I picked four onions and when the meat had roasted about one half an hour, I pulled about a pint of water over it for gravy and put in the onions. At frequent intervals, I basted his behind with a wooden spoon so the meat would be nice and juicy. In about two hours, it was nice and brown, cooked through. I never ate any roast turkey that tasted half as good as his sweet, fat little behind did. I ate every part, I ate every bit of meat in about four days. His little monkey was as sweet as a nut, but his peewees I could not chew. Threw them in the toilet. Psycho. Yeah. I, no. Yeah. It, no. He's a bad one. He's, bad hor- one. he's the worst. He's Yeah, he's worse than Richard Chase, in my opinion. Yeah, you actually might be right. Yeah. Albert Fisher's trial for the premeditated murder of Grace Budd took place on March 11th, 1935, in New York. The trial lasted for 10 days. Fish pleaded insanity, blaming voices from God telling him to kill children. 
Multiple psychiatrists confirm Fisher's list of sexual fetishes, such as coprophilia, which is eating feces, urophilia, which is drinking urine, pedophilia, and masochism, which is um, like violent acts. Um, but there was obvious disagreement as to these fetishes having nothing to do with being insane. They were just very horrendous fetishes. Okay. Um, Albert's 17-year-old stepdaughter even testified describing various games Albert forced her sisters and brothers to play that involved masochism. Is it masochism? Masochism. Masochism. That's all right. Just masochism, masochism. There you go. You if can you replace have a it. stepdaughter... Mm, from his, I think he had, he actually had, I'm pretty sure he had two wives. Yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure yeah. at one point he, he was, because oh that's the thing. He had women. Ugh. Throughout this, he had women. How? I don't know. Because he also stunk. He was super filthy. Gross. He didn't bathe. He was, uh, wait till I get to some of the stuff he did to his own body. Mm. Okay. Um. Yeah. He used to play these games. And it also involved child molestation. The jury found Albert Fish to be sane and guilty and was given the death sentence. Which okay, is great. good. Yeah, it's awesome. So January 16th, 1936, Fish was executed in the electric chair at the Sing Sing prison in New York. It was believed it took three minutes for him to die, but there were rumors it took longer due to what was found riddled throughout his body. Which I think Gemma's nodding her head, she knows. I know, Chris, you're going to love this. Our producer is not impressed right now. So, throughout his life, Albert Fish used to self-torture for sexual pleasure. And he used to insert needles into his body um, between his rectum and scrotum. And this is a quote from one of the psychiatrists. He told me of doing it to other people too especially children at first he said he had only stuck these needles in and pulled them out again then he had stuck others in so far that he was unable to get them out and they stayed there x-rays showed there were at least 29 needles in various states of erosion so these some of these needles in the x-rays were like Decaying because mm. they had been there so long and they were they were rusting down to nothing. Wow. Yeah, there were there were years worth of needles. He also used to get the stems. He used to get roses with the spiky stems and insert the whole rose, like the whole stem, up his penis. Holy! And then he'd cow. pull it out. <gasps> and then he'd eat the stem. Okay. Yeah. He was again sane. He, oh, mate. I, he's very scary. Apparently, um, before his execution, I think his last quote was, I have no idea why I'm here. So. In the execution chair. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, but, um, yeah he, he was, he's gone now. He's one of the worst <laughs> That's guys. That's the main thing. I literally did a really brief, 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 brief account on him. Um, if, you're, if you want to know more about him, there is so much info um he's really 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 sick um would he be classed as a serial killer yes okay so he was indicted for the death of grace yeah what about billy yeah well that was a later confession so i think they just he was he was killed he was put to death for the two murders grace yeah and then after billy i think they just 
maybe added that on because he was getting death anyway. So there was no, technically there was no trial for Billy. I don't think there was. Okay. But there were, apparently there were other victims. I think it said there were up to 10 victims that he potentially killed. But the thing with him is you never know because he was a compulsive liar. And a fraud and a con man. Completely. So like he, they could prove some things mm-hmm. like the, like the um, history with self mutilation and the molestation, the rape and, you know, and grace. Mm-hmm. But there were some things like a lot of criminals do once they, they get incarcerated, they'll sit there and they'll, they'll confess to all these crimes and they'll bring stuff up. Mm -hmm. We'll never know with Albert Fish, but from his track record and like the amount of like violence through these acts, they believe there were about 10 other victims. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm glad, uh, I'm glad he's gone. Oh, That's yeah. That's all I can he's say. He's disgusting. Yeah. Uh, scary. Scary. Okay. And guys, look at a photo of him. I'll put it on he's the disgusting. Instagram, but he looks like a skeleton. Old man. Old smelly, gray, stinky man. I wonder if his kids changed their name because it's such a um, distinctive name. Fish. Yeah. I, um, I think he may have changed his name. He would have had a fair few descendants if he had, what was it, six kids? Yeah. Let's see. I think he actually, because he originally was called like, it was a weird name and he changed it because he didn't want to be teased. He was named after Hamilton Fish, a a distant relative, um, but he wished to be called Albert after a dead sibling and to escape the nickname Ham and Eggs. So yeah, Fish is his surname. Okay. But. He added on the first name. Yeah. Because ham and eggs, which I think is, I don't really get it. Hamilton, ham and eggs. Where does the eggs come from? Anyway. Yeah, disgusting. 100 years ago. Anyway, he's gone now. Yeah, he's gone, guys. Shall we take a break? That's palate cleanser. Let's talk about something fun after. Yeah. And we're back. And we're back. We're so back with a well-deserved break. Uh, guys, I hope you went and got like um, some red lollies or something to pick you back up. Whiskey. Whiskey. <laughs> Rum. Rum. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's a heavy one. Yeah, it's and a really I did a one. real soft version. That was a soft version? That was a soft version, dude. I'm telling you. I'm shocked. That is a soft version. Holy There was stuff that I left cow. out that was vomitous. Really? Yeah, man. Like, guys, last podcast on the left, Albert Fish, they go into detail. Okay. Detail. Yeah. Well. Those guys get paid to actually research stuff and we don't. We have to fit it in between <laughs> our jobs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, okay. All right. Well, listen, I've got a fun story. Yay. It's not meant to be fun, but it's interesting. It's going to be more fun than mine. It's so a, let's it, do it to I it, can pretty, I can guarantee that. Yep. Okay. So today I'm doing one of my favorite haunting stories. And I'd be interested to see if you've ever heard of this one. Mm-hmm. It's the San Pedro haunting. Uh, Jackie Hernandez have you heard of that one no (gasps) I love this one I love this one I'm so excited to tell you all about this yes please okay okay Get comfortable. She's really excited. It's I'm cute. super excited. Okay, so this story takes place between 1989 and 1990 and involves a lady named Jackie Hernandez. And there's also a weird coincidence that I found out. So in the last episode, mm. I did Kelly K. Hill. Yes. And there is a significant date in that 8th of August mm-hmm. where her encounter happened where something significant in this story happens on the 8th of August and I was writing it I was like oh my god that's so weird that is weird yeah okay let's get on to it anyway so Jackie is a young mom going through some really tough times yeah. uh, when this story begins she's going through a divorce she's struggling to live on her own looking after her child two year old Jamie mm. she's working multiple jobs And on top of all that, she's expecting her second child. Oh, God. Tough times. So she's moved into um, a little old house in San Pedro in California. Okay. Uh, It's at this point where she begins to notice things going on around her new home. First, little things start to go missing Mm -hmm. uh, and they would turn up later. She felt as though she was always being followed and watched. And when she would turn around to see what was following her, nothing would be there. Mm. Sometimes she would hear knocking and banging sounds, but she dismissed them as figments of her imagination. Until one night when she was watching TV, she saw something move in the hallway It was a pencil holder, which had levitated and was thrown across the hall. It was enough to convince her that the house was, in fact, haunted. Mm. She ran to her neighbor Susan's house and called the police. Oh, honey. (laughs) But that I think that's a reaction of being legitimately scared. Yeah. I mean, who else do you call? Like, the police are supposed to help. I, th- I always think it's cute when you hear of people calling the police when there's ghosts. <sighs> I, th- I just think that's such a, like, sweet thing because the police are just people too. Like, they're not, like, paranormal they're not professionals. Yeah, so, exactly. like, what are they... Ex- I mean, you'd want protection. I get it. I think the best you can hope for is that one of the police officers are one of us. And in that, yeah. what I mean is a fridgy. Yeah, you know, and, like, and won't, like, judge you. Be like, yeah, oh. and just say, listen... I don't think this is a job for us. I think you need to call a priest or somebody else. Yeah, Yeah. I agree. Uh, She ran to her neighbor Susan's house, called the police, called the police. Obviously, they couldn't help. No. And she knew she had to go back to the house eventually, even though she was so scared. Susan had also seen odd things happening inside the house. She had witnessed a... uh, So this is the next door neighbor now. Oh, okay. Um, Yeah, so she had witnessed a painting falling off the wall and also a lamp being moved on its own. Yeah. So Jackie felt 
that she wasn't so alone because Susan had yeah, seen she, what was yeah, going had on. A, another witness, I guess. Yeah. The strange occurrences continued around the house. Uh, the cat started acting strange, Aww. which when I read that, I was like, well, cats are pretty weird anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it was chasing shadows and running around. So oh, my cats do that. That's just a normal, that's just Tuesday at my They're house. just following Skyrim. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and there was one thing that happened quite often. There was this bed in her house that would collapse over and over again. So it would just break. Mm. She would hear voices coming from up in the attic. That was another sort of thing that would happen quite now a that's lot. Creepy. <clears throat> and she, she um, described it as being like mumbling. Ooh. And one day she was washing dishes in the kitchen and um, she had a friend over who was actually the babysitter. Yeah. They noticed a red substance running down the walls. I think I have heard of this. Oh, yeah? It's a pretty famous one. I, I think I have. Yeah. It sounds super. Unless all these, I guess, quote unquote symptoms are just very common in like... Yeah, I mean, very, a lot of these are houses. stuff that we've heard before. I yeah. mean, banging house, like, you know, banging in the house. We've Walls heard of that. bleeding. We've heard of that with the Donovan thrown, case. We've heard of that with the Thornton Heath. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, the, the red oozy stuff coming down the walls apparently was proven to be blood plasma. Oh, so, that's nuts. I love that. Whatever. <laughs> One night. Uh, oh, yeah. So soon her daughter was born. Uh, However, the haunting got worse when that happened. Mm. One night, Jackie got up to use the bathroom and on the way, she saw an old man. Great. And he did not look very nice. Albert Fish. Oh, my God. I think he would have looked like Albert Fish. Yeah, that's what I'm picturing. So then he just disappears. Great. Just what you want. (sighs) An old man to be in your hallway. And then glaring not, at you. And then not to know where he's gone. Mm, mm. The babysitter Christina had seen some of the things going on in the house, including the blood-like substance running down the kitchen walls. Mm. And she said, "In the beginning, it was all we talked about. Everyone thought we were crazy." Aww. One night, Jackie had a dream that she was a young man. He was at the San Pedro Harbour, but it was in times past, probably in the 1930s. He was being attacked by someone who beat him with a lead pipe and then drowned him. Jesus, that is quite a dream. Yeah. Uh, Jackie's neighbour, Susan, put her in contact with a paranormal investigator called Barry Taff, Mm. Dr. Barry Taff, in fact, and she'd seen him on TV. So I went to his website... Uh, which is barrytaff.net. Yeah. And Dr. Taff, uh, he's a parapsychologist. Uh, he worked out of UCLA's parapsychology laboratory from... Parapsychologist? 19- yeah. A paranormal psychologist? Yeah. So who is he interviewing? What do you mean? Like, who is he counselling? People who have seen... Parapsychologists are basically... <laughs> They, I'm not sure that they necessarily work exclusively with people. I think a lot of it is um, case study. And, oh, okay. Okay. Um, right. So they're not working face to face with someone who needs counseling. 
I think it probably involves a lot of different things, but I don't think yeah. it's your usual, you know, person on the couch talking I've about their problems. I've never heard of a parapsychologist. Oh, really? Yeah, it, it's not really a phrase that's used as much these days. It was. It's a very sort of 70s phrase. Para- that's nuts. Mm. Okay, cool. Um, so Dr. Taff... Um, he actually worked at UCLA, UCLA's parapsychology parapsychology laboratory from 1969 <laughs> to 1978. Today, he's investigated about four and a half thousand paranormal cases, including the famous Entity case in 1974. Have you heard about that? The Entity? No. Uh, this like. Um, documentaries about it on YouTube. Uh, And he's been on loads of TV shows such as A Current Affair, Joan Rivers, Montan Williams, Sightings, and Australia's The Extraordinary. One of the best shows ever. Girl. He's also written a book, Aliens Above, Ghosts Below, Explorations of the Unknown. Damn, what a career. Yes. (laughs) So this is where the famous part of this case comes into the story. On the evening of August 8th... Here we go. That's the night Kelly Cahill was abducted. Mm, How weird. Not the same year. Not the same year. It was four years earlier. I'm going to quickly look up what I did on the 8th of August this year. (sighs) Did you get abducted by aliens or did you call a parapsychology team? I've been having really bad memory loss, so maybe so. (laughs) Okay, so on the 8th of... August 1989, Dr. Taff and three investigators came to the Hernandez home to interview Jackie. They had a lot of equipment and it was pretty high tech for the time. They had cameras, infrared detectors and other sorts of gadgets. Good. They're prepared. Yes. Dr. Taff said during the interview, they kept hearing what sounded like uh, a 200 pound rat running around the attic. 200 pound rat? I would love a 200 pound rat. Wouldn't they just describe that as like a, a small child? 200 pounds? That's How like, much is 200 pounds? Uh, adult man? <laughs> Gross. Like a Great Dane. Oh, mate, that's a bit too much for me. <laughs> I would love that. Like, come up on the sofa and cuddle me. okay the 8th of august yeah for me is a video of my cat on top of the heater so nothing that significant which cat is that that's dr fantasty oh you were telling us about him last week look at him cute so nothing too cray cray look at his little black nose look at his little mushy baby Oh, tired eyes. I'm going to look where I was on the 8th of August. You look it up too. Oh, I don't have anything on the 8th of August. On the 7th, I've got a video of one of my rats eating a treat. And (laughs) (laughs) and, um, (laughs) I love how around that same time we were both just documenting our pets doing stupid things yeah but i literally <gasps> take photos and Baby, stuff of, of my rats like all the time and on the day i oh look he's licking my husband's hand so cute I love doing that. um and on the next day is a picture of our logo yeah that is weird the, i think my fridge is haunted logo so that is weird that's weird okay anyway anyway back to the haunting back to the haunting so they think that there's a giant rat 
in the attic. They also experienced a feeling of pressure around them as if they were underwater. No. And he says apparently this is a common occurrence in haunted houses. Yuck. They prepared to go up into the attic to investigate. Uh, also, I forgot to mention another bad, th- uh, another thing that happened was there was a really bad smell in the house when they got there. So, Ooh, you know what that means? Ghosts. Demons. Yeah. Demons. If it's meat, if it's like rotting meat and if it's sulfur, mm. then that's usually demonic. It didn't specify, specify. what the smell actually smelled like. Hmm. Uh, So one of the investigators named Jeff Wheatcraft went up into the attic with Barry Conrad, another investigator. Mm -hmm. While up there, a disembodied force grabbed Jeff's camera out of his hands and threw it across the attic. Then it pushed him. I would rather be pushed because cameras are so expensive. Well, that's it. Exactly. And it's just disrespectful. The investigators left for the night and I've seen an interview with Jackie saying that they just left without helping her at all. And she was like frantic. She really needed help. And And they're like, oh, we just want to come in and document the ghost stuff. Like, you know, so at least give her a sage stick or something, something, you know. So she told him she's like, I'm worried about the safety of my children. Yeah, and so baby. Well, yeah, exactly. She's got like a three-month-old. Jesus. So Dr. Taff said that he would prioritize her case and Good. bring his team back to conduct a second investigation. So on the 4th of September, the team returns to the house and again they head up to the attic. Mm-hmm. And this is like the bit that everybody remembers about this case. So this time Jeff is attacked again and had a cord wrapped around his neck attached to a nail uh, that was nailed into an exposed beam. And a photographer called Gary Boehm Mm. was also in the attic and he rushes over to help Jeff. Jeff takes a moment to recover and explain to the others what happened. Then he left the house and he never returned. No, well, you wouldn't. He was pretty freaked out. So um, here are the pictures from when that happened. What? It's pretty 80s. What? Is that the rope attached to him? So it's like a cord, like an electrical cord. It's almost like he's being hanged. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And all of a sudden it just appeared around his neck. What? And he's like hanging from this nail. It's like he's, yeah, it's literally like he's... The other investigator had to help him like get this thing off his neck. That's nuts. That's a really weird photo. It is. Yeah. yeah that's, that's. I think there's really definitely a it. sense of shock in the photo where he's like. Whoa, oh, he looks. Whoa. He looks. Well, obviously he looks very uncomfortable. But yeah. Like he looks stressed and it's, it's literally, it's not something you could walk into. Like it is, it looks like it's been tightened around underneath his chin you mm-hmm. know what i mean it's not like this mm-hmm. loose thing you could accidentally put your head through and you caught no, exactly it's, it's like it's, it's a choker tight. yeah 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 so that's pretty weird that is weird uh so dr taff then said this is the first case i've ever been on where the phenomenon went after the researchers wow i mean don't they do that on um is it ghost hunters a lot of the time the the ghosts will like What's that guy? What's that t- 
khaki guy. Zach Baggins. Zach Baggins. <laughs> Don't they usually like go after him? <laughs> Do well, they though? Yeah, I Do know. They? He's an idiot. <laughs> uh, so a few months after... Jackie and her husband try to patch up their marriage and they move 300 miles north to a trailer park in Kern County. And I did mean to look that up on Google Maps to see if it was actually 300 miles north, but I forgot. That's fine because we have the kilometers and it all gets very confusing. Yeah. So it doesn't matter anyway. So she felt as if she'd left the haunting back in San Pedro. No, honey, don't tell me you followed her. But after their attempts to fix their marriage failed, Jackie once again found herself alone and struggling. Mm. It was then that the phenomena returned. Wow, so it must be drawn to like vulnerability and desperateness exactly which i guess is kind of common and that's I mean, what dr taff actually like that's what his yeah. theory was so one day this is a creepy story this is a creepy part of the story one day she was helping a couple of neighbors to store a tv in the shed so mm. you know back in those days tvs were flipping massive <laughs> you needed like a team yeah <laughs> <laughs> So all of them, all of a sudden, saw an image of the old man from the oh, San Pedro the house man. in the screen of the TV. Oh. And what does that remind you of? Albert Fish. Oh, Poltergeist. No. no. Do you remember a couple of episodes ago we did in the Thornton Heath? Oh, the Heath, old man. The old man in appeared the in the TV. Yes. <gasps> Full circle moment. Yes. What? Uh, after that, she was kept awake by someone pounding on the inside of the shed wanting to get out. Don't let him out. That's creepy, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. Dr. Taft's team travelled north to conduct another investigation, but they couldn't get their cameras to work. They kept switching off. Super common. That is common. So, of all things, she suggests they try a Ouija board session. And look what we have here. How convenient. We just happen to have a Ouija, board. a Ouija board tonight, guys. And it just happens to be the 8th of August. No, it's no, not. No, it's not. It's December the 18th. <laughs> Ew, I just put the microphone back in my mouth. Oh, my God. <laughs> so the table shook as they connected with a spirit that explained the details they had been looking for about the haunting. Here is some of the Ouija board conversation. Uh-oh. How long have you been trapped? The answer was 60 years. Mm. Did you die in the house? The answer was no. Okay, interesting. Where did you die? The answer is San Pedro Bay. Okay. Did you drown? No. I was held underwater. Oh, God, it's the boy from the dream. Uh, yeah, I guess. Pretty much. Then she says, did you live in the San Pedro house? And it says, my murderer lived there. Oh, what? Amazing. The plot thickens. Yes. The spirit also said that they had been born in 1912 and died in 1930. After doing some research, they found there was a man who had drowned there in 1930, but he was actually 28 years old, not 18. So I'm thinking Ouija board typo. 
Autocorrect. I'm looking at my Ouija board. <laughs> yeah, well, look how close the one is to the two. I know. It's so easy to make a Ouija correct. <laughs> <laughs> like an autocorrect. Bloody acrylics. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Okay, so Dr. Taff believes that the ghost of the old man is a Mr. John Damon. Mm. who originally built the San Pedro house. Uh, one day, uh, she was staying with a friend in San Pedro, mm. and she believes that John Damon visited her to say goodbye. Aww. And this is kind of sweet. She saw a bright light out in the garden, and she followed it down the street to a graveyard. The light hovered over a grave marked John Damon. Mm. It flew around the grave and then disappeared. So do you think them contacting him released him? Yeah, maybe. Like why would well, they he didn't decide really, to they leave didn't contact now? him. They they contacted the boy who died because there's two there's two ghosts. Oh, so John Damon is the murderer? No. So there's the boy who died at the harbor? Yeah. And he haunted the murderer's house? Yeah. And then there was the man that built the house. And he was the one that he's the grumpy old man. The graveyard. Yeah, he's a grumpy old man, but he actually wasn't mean. Oh, so Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh so in the summer of nineteen ninety, Jackie moved back to Los Angeles and the ghost followed for a while, but occurrences soon began to taper off. Mm. Dr. Taff concluded that the emotional stress during Jackie's divorce had attracted paranormal activity right and gaining a sense of control in her life made the haunting dissipate with no negative energy to latch Mm. onto jackie says she and the others have put the haunting behind them and have moved on she says however i'm more scared of dying than when i was before i have to say that again she says however i'm more scared of dying than i was before she says the ghosts may have been living in hell. Aww. However, she also said, I think I was fortunate to see and experience firsthand something that most people never see. No. And that is the story of Jackie Hernandez and, the San, Be- and the San Pedro haunting. I wonder if her haunting also had something to do with her being pregnant. Because you hear of like a lot of like poltergeists well, yeah, are yeah. attracted to girls just starting their periods. Yes, and the hormones. Yeah, and like yeah. women going through a massive um, it's a physical storm. change. Yeah. yeah, the pregnancy, the divorce, mm. the small child in the house. Yeah. Small children attract ghosts. Yeah, 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 totally. Yeah. It's weird. It's a mix of things. Um, apparently, later tenants in the house over the years have also reported haunting um occurrences as well wow. in the house damn yeah i hope you liked that i loved it so i guess that's season one done yeah, season one episode 13 can you believe we made it this far guys thanks for hanging in there and thanks for actually growing in listen and thank you for we've had uh at the time of recording we've had over 800 listens in our first season yeah. which is nuts yeah it's more than crazy. we expected totally and mm. like i i think our first episode when we first started this i literally thought the only people who'd be listening would be like my mom and yep you know but 
Yeah, but eight hundred listens. I what? don't. I don't know who these people are. I really don't. No, God, um, reach out to us. Yeah, I want everyone to follow us on Instagram because yes. I want to meet everyone. Yeah, talk to us, guys. We're we're very lonely. Yeah, and we're always on Instagram. Always social media. Yeah, catch yeah. us. Um, it's just I think my fridge is haunted on instagram and also i think my fridge is haunted on facebook as well yes and on instagram um after we put up our shows we will put up photos yeah of of the stuff that we talked about totally yeah so if you want to get visuals like during the episode when we're talking about oh we'll post this photo we'll post that photo we do instagram is the place every thursday morning yep the episode once it's released on our um digital platforms then i post them all on instagram all the photos yeah from, from the week so mm-hmm. get on to instagram um we're really friendly talk to us if you uh, we're gonna have a lot of guests in yes. 2020 mm-hmm. we've got some cool guests lined up we've got loads of plans yeah there's some fun things happening we're gonna go to paris <laughs> <laughs> apparently well we wanted to record a, a, an ad yeah oh my god which visuals are coming visuals are coming and and they're very they're going to be funny yeah they're going to be funny hopefully yeah uh what else um yeah guests we're hoping to maybe do an off-site recording yes uh maybe at a haunted location yes we would love to do a haunted location yeah and also we're still collecting people's ghost stories and stories of um you know sightings anything that you have send us a message at our facebook page totally um, and we'll read it out because totally yeah we've almost got enough now for an episode yeah and how cool would it be to have um us read your story on air how cool how cool would that be guys (laughs) you'd be in the cool club (laughs) you'd be an official fringy if you make it to being one of our guests you get a cute little um you get a gift you get a really unique awesome gift are we allowed to tell them what we give people yeah i I reckon you get a venus fly trap which is so cool (laughs) it's like owning your own little monster yeah (laughs) and it's summertime so there's going to be a lot of flies yeah i think it's so great grow it big make it into the craziest oh i love it a venus fly trap okay how cool is that Anyway, thanks for listening, everybody. Follow we us. Will see you. Follow us online. Yeah, keep. We'll keep. We're not disappearing. We'll be back. We just need a break. Yeah, we just need a little break, just and need we need break. time to research new stories. Yeah, so we're running yeah. out of room. Follow us online. Uh, listen to season one again. Yes. Um, share it with your mates if possible. Yeah. And be creepy, but don't be a creep. Woo! Yay! Berserker mode. Berserker mode. Because you said, is that a psychological term? It's not. It's historical. Oh, of course it would be. Berserkers were a a Viking or something. Yeah, a Viking tribe. Yeah. Who would not wear armor? They would just go 
um, into battle what? with animal skins on or nothing. Like the Dothraki. <laughs> what? Exactly like the Dothraki. What's the Dothraki? Jason Momoa was at the lead. I'm um, sorry, um, I don't watch that. Game of Th- Game of Thrones. No. Daenerys is one of Daenerys's armies. Yeah. I don't watch um, Game of Thrones. And they would sorry. just go into oh. a trance state and just go. Just go nuts. Go Berserker nuts. mode. And hence where we got the term Berserker. Whoa. Berserker is through the Berserker Warriors. That's cool. Yeah. Berserker. Yeah. Cool. 